Hey, this is Neil Bawa, the Mad Scientist of Multifamily, and you're listening to the Mailbox Money Show with Bronson Hill. This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. All right, so this interview is awesome. You're going to love Matt Faircloth. He has been in the industry for a long time, wrote a great book on raising capital for real estate. Uh, guy I look up to, they have about 2,000 units. They're operators. They have an in-house property management company. They do a lot of things. And obviously, if you're a multifamily investor, things have changed pretty dramatically over the last year and a half. And so he's talking about what they're doing, what they've done well, what things they've learned from. Really great interview. Even some things outside of real estate they're doing, which of course I love. You know, when it comes to fire yourself, finding things outside of real estate. So let's jump into this awesome interview with Matt Faircloth. All right, welcome to the Mailbox Money Show. We have Matt Faircloth in the house today. What's up, Matt? How you doing? What's going on, Bronson? How are you? I'm good, man. Every time I look at you, you're like doing bigger things. You're like re releasing books and and bigger pockets, and you got you become Captain Mer in America with the shield on your back wall there. And I want to hear it because when I look at what you're doing, I'm like, look at Bronson over there in New Zealand. Look at him like living the <laughs> living living this awesome travel life. You know, like, like just yeah. again, this is but like these are both the things that happen when you create. Let's just use the term mailbox money for your life, right? Yeah. You're able to go to New Zealand and probably maybe make a few work calls, maybe run a little bit of business for over there, right? Yeah. Um, but also I'm able to scale and grow because I'm not trading the hours for the dollars that I'm generating. And it opens me up because I've got a, I've got an A plus phenomenal team. And it opens me up to grow and scale and, you know, let out my inner little boy a little bit by putting Captain America on my microphone <laughs> a little bit um, as well. But that's what Mailbox Money really does. And I'm very grateful for the circle that you and I are in that teaches people how to create that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. My dad, actually, I saw him yesterday, this weekend. And he asked me, he said, nice. well, because he's not a big traveler and I've been to 43 countries and I love, you know, I've got <laughs> three more tri big trips planned next year. And he's just like, where did this come from? What is it? What is he's like, what is this? What does this do for you? Whatever. And I said, well, it just, it refreshes me. It's a reward. I love, I'm, I'm kind of an adventurer and explorer. And then it also is consistent with the brand too. It's like when you travel, it's like, you know, I really wasn't working while I was gone. I've got a team like you that I can travel and I can do it. And, yeah. and I just think for a lot of people, at least in the US, we work way too much. The average American takes 13 days off a year versus in Italy. Yeah. You know what it is in Italy? You know what the average person in Italy takes? Tell me. Days? 42 days a year. That's eight and a half work weeks, like working weeks. So I'm like, two work days. That doesn't count. No, that, that not weekends on top yeah, of that. No, right? that's, that's, yeah, that's eight awesome. and a half like work weeks. So anyway, I love it, man. But love what you're doing. Uh, let's let's jump into it, man. Where let's talk about the new rules of multifamily investing. I think we had you mm -hmm. on a year ago. We did a panel a little while ago too. Things have changed a bit, right? So we're seeing uh, some of our deals. We've had a capital call situation or two. We've had some issues, especially with bridge debt. Uh, mm -hmm. We're seeing it across the industry. Uh, what, what are you seeing really has changed over the last six to twelve months, especially? It's. I mean, it's been a very interesting space, and I think that. Uh, to say the least, you know, that old Confucius curse, it's actually a curse, but people will say it all the time. It's may you live in interesting times, you know, like yeah. well, we sure do. <laughs> we, we live in interesting times now. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, just what, what like history lesson here is that like, uh, with the fed deciding that we printed 
a ginormous amount of money and all that money in the system, like throwing out $4 trillion in a sh in short order, Crazy. maybe through too much rocket fuel into the, into the economy. And it's making everything go way up in value, you know, way up in cost, Right. Um, so that's created inflation. And so the, the fed to try and keep up with that has been raising rates very, very aggressively. And that obviously backdoor affects the multifamily space. The problem is, is that the only way to make like further history lesson, the only way to make multifamily work up until, you know, 2020 and even 2021 was to use these really phenomenal vehicles called bridge loans. Right. And that was pretty much what a lot of people were using because you could buy these buildings at laying like, you know, 15, maybe 20% down on your purchase price. If you're buying a property for 10 million bucks, you're laying 2 million down plus closing costs and whatnot. And the bank is going to lend you all your construction costs on top. So you're getting in 80, maybe 85% loan to purchase price plus all your construction. And everybody saw, I mean, it's just too good to be true, Bronson, right? You're yeah, like, well, yeah. you, yes, please. What, what could go wrong? Wrong, wrong. Right? <laughs> you know? Um, exactly. Well, the problem was is those are floating rate interest rate deals. And you you, you buy in and you're like, oh, it's only 3.5%, 4%. That interest rate's tied to this thing called SOFR. It used to be LIBOR, but now it's tied to SOFR. And back then, SOFR was trading at like 15 bips, like 0 0.15, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, you know? So whatever you want to add on top of that was your interest rate. Unfortunately, with rates going up so quickly, SOFR went up drastically and that pushed up, you know, what everybody, you know, personal friends of mine and yours have yeah. had in our in our portfolio too, had the borrowing weight go, effectively go from three and a half, four, maybe four and a half percent up to like, you know, 9%. Yeah. Oh, overnight, overnight. Yeah. And then there's rate caps and things like that that have come in, but and not enough history lesson. What, I, what I've seen happen is that it's really caught a lot of folks proverbially with their pants down um, that we're going in on deals, banking on appreciation. Um, and appreciation's worked. Let's just face it. Appreciation's been a lot of people rich uh, in multifamily in the last five, 10 years. Um, and it's been the game, but we've never been a appreciation focused company. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I'm just saying that our company has been focused on cash flow since we started the company because I got started in multifamily before appreciation was cool. I got invested. I was investing in multifamily in 2008, 9, 10, and there um, when the market, when appreciation uh, investing also got kicked in the teeth. And the only thing that worked then was cash flow. And so that's what I built our brand on is cash flow. And so through cash flow based investing, that's been a really good place. It's been a good cash flow has been a good safe harbor um, the last couple of the last couple of years. And the last one before I. Uh, <laughs> Before I, before I let you hop in here, is being willing to get honest with investors. Um, the worst thing I've seen syndicators do is everything's fine, investor. Here's your preferred return. Everything's fine, investor. Here's your preferred return. And all of a sudden, hey, um, we're out of money. And so we need to do a cash call because our rates have gone way up and everything like that. At the very onset of this kind of stuff happening, the first thing we did was communicate with investors that our rates are going way up, our cost to purchase these things called rate caps has also gone way up. We're starting to see things tighten a little bit. We're going to stop distributions. So we stopped distributions a while ago on a lot of our a lot of our syndications. Many other syndicators didn't do that because they didn't want the questioning. They didn't want to upset the apple cart, so to speak. 
And so they didn't stop distributions. We did very early in the game. And I think that that's something that the wiser operator did. And they're willing to have those difficult conversations with investors. Yeah. Now, we've actually been able to turn the spigot back on on most of our funds um, because we stopped in some funds, Bronson, a year and a half ago, we stopped distributions. Yeah, smart. Yeah, that's yeah. smart. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a sign of a conservative operator. I think even during COVID, there was some of that where it was like a lot of groups, self included, stop distributions just to kind of, we don't know what this is going to look like. And then it then it was like, oh, okay, it looks fine, whatever. But like, just it's better to be yeah. conservative. Um, you said a couple of things I want to touch on. Um, sure. You know, we have uh, we have a strong preference for cash flow as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we've gone to a lot, I mean, I ask people what's better, cash flow or appreciation. I'm like, you know, making a lot of money someday. Uh, is great, but it doesn't allow you to fire yourself, right? It doesn't allow you to put yourself up. It's like that no. actually, it's like my book. It allows you to actually be able to cover expenses, like cover your housing, cover your car, cover your insurance, your travel, mm-hmm. whatever. And that's the amazing thing about cash flow. And that's um, even Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, he talks about, you know, it's his game, cash flow 101. And all these things are like cash flow is amazing. So if you can just generate mm-hmm. cash flow. Um, and then also about valuations. And we've seen, uh, a major issue for a lot of these deals, particularly with bridge debt, is not necessarily just the operations of a deal. It's that, you know, I gave one example, we renovated, you know, a $60 million property. And after renovating almost 70% of the units and rents have gone up 25% across the portfolio at 80% occupied, the new valuation is 37 million, right? So it's just, just brutal, right? And one of those yeah. issues is uh, there's not as many buyers out there. And then secondly, buyers that come in and buying a property at less than 90% occupancy, they're having to use bridge debt. So then you're at nine to 12% debt, right? So it's it's kind of, it's it's not a complete bloodbath, but we're starting to see major cracks appear and a lot of deals kind of all over. You're seeing articles about it and whatever. Um, what are some things you think, um, I mean, obviously I know you, and we're going to get into this a little bit. You've done some other things outside of real estate as we have as well. But what are some things that you think uh, just kind of average retail investors should know uh, now, like especially when they're invested? And, and and again, there's this thing of like I'm invested, and you know maybe I've had some issues here, and and you know oh, you know maybe multifamily's bad now because of these other things. But it could be that it's actually a great time to get into multifamily. It is. Uh, it, well, it's always a good time to get into multifamily if it's the right business plan, right? I right, mean, it's, yeah. it's, Hey, this is why we don't do other stuff like self-storage and those kinds of things. Cause I've, I, in my, in my research and in my layman brain, you know, <laughs> over here, uh, I've found that other asset classes just don't hold up to the longevity, the recession proofness that housing does. I mean, it's just a basic, it's a core, it's a core need. It's, it's and until we figure out how to live out in the woods full time, you know, we're going to need, we're going to need housing and roofs over our head. Right. So that's, that's why, that's why I think housing under the right deal is still the right investment for people. Um, Talking to retail investors that are getting into deals today. um, I think it's, it's very, it's, it's important that the operator is seasoned. It's important that the operator has a plan that goes beyond one to two years that it's not, Hey, we're going to get in here. I mean, the business plan a couple of years ago could have simply been, Hey, we're going to get in we're going to push rents 30, 40 bucks through a, a mild value ad program, drop in some amenities, drop in some fit out for the tenants, have the tenants to a, of course I'll pay an extra 30 to 40 bucks. Cause I get a playground and a new kitchen and everything like that. Right. right. And then I'm going to sell the property for 
40% more than what I paid for it. That's the business plan. Right. That plan no longer works. You know, um, a, a more longer term business plan on how you're going to stabilize, how you're going to maintain cash flow. Will this property make money once this wonderful interest only period that we're in right now burns off? You know, once yeah. the debt starts amortizing and getting and getting paid down, will the property make money? These are all questions that a, 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 um, a retail investor, an LP, should be asking. Meaning like, if I like, what if we can't sell in the next couple of years? What if we cash flow, but selling doesn't make sense? Will this property make me money and will my money be safe for 10 years if I hold it? Those are, I think that uh, for the the deals that we're in and my, and my wife and I do make some passive investments as well. I'm investing for the long term, not short term. And mm -hmm. I think that, that that will get you through any type of weirdness or downturn or issue that the economy could have over the next couple of years. So, yeah, it's interesting. My I talked to investors have been doing this for for years and years. And like my cousin got me started in investing, and they've got you know fifteen hundred units they own with a couple of partners, and just done very well. He only does fixed rate debt, like he only does, mm -hmm. and so they just and they'll add a supplement on there maybe if they need to. But for the most part, it's all it's all just you know and keeping it as as boring and watching paint dry and grass yeah. grow as you can, right? Making it less exciting, but. Um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, some of the changes that you've had. You've actually uh, you were saying earlier. Um, and you, how many you, you guys have? What four or five thousand units you're in, or several thousand? I, or big... Yeah, you're projecting me into the future. I'm, I'm just like, speaking just, life over you. This yeah, is you where are. you're headed. That's this it. That's where I'm going. That's that's. Uh, thank you for speaking <laughs> into reality. I mean, fifteen thousand yeah. units. I just keep yeah, going. Yeah, right. There you go. That's, that's, uh, thank you for correcting. <laughs> no, we're just under two thousand doors, um, okay. and we're very regionally focused. So we're in uh, we're in the Piedmont Triad in North Carolina. And we're in Lexington, Kentucky, or our two asset class. That's where our two major pockets are. Um, we also just because of of cash flow, because we wanted to have cash flow, and because I, I've always seen there's certain things that syndications can't do. We decided to build up a fund that allows people to compound their returns because you can't compound in a syndication. You just can't. You know, there's only but so many shares of the syndication to go around. So you can't sell new shares to people with their distributions. You, you can't print new. I can't like make new units of my multifamily for yeah. people to buy interest in as their as their uh, as their distributions go out. So we started a fund that allows people to compound their returns, and it's also liquid, so they can get their money back whenever they want it. Very hard to do something like that with multifamily uh, unless you're at, at large scale. Um, so we decided to build something like that out over just short-term bridge debt, just on um, just doing hard money loans in and out. And that, that allows people that want to invest in multifamily with us, they can. And if they also want to put their money in a place, specifically a self-directed IRA uh, into that vehicle, then we've got that as well. And that's been going really, really well, just as an alternative asset class, um, that, that fund to be something for people to invest in as well. Yeah, that's great. And I love that you're you're doing that and, and you have found different things to do. And you mentioned, um, you just touched on this, the, the, the doing in-house property management. How has that process been for you? Because again, a lot of groups, like what we've done is we've had property managers and they're third party and we've kind of, you know, worked with them. And the other ones have been more, um, you know, like there are groups that do in-house and usually I find groups that are over, you know, five or 10,000 to consider, but to be a, you know, a group of a couple thousand and say, Hey, we're going to bring this in-house. Mm -hmm. What was some of the thinking that went into that? Is it more cash flow, just having more control over it? And what's, and what's that process kind of been like 
to actually yeah. launch that. It sounds like a ton of work, but it's a lot of work and you got to have the right <laughs> team. Uh, so we, we hired some folks away from a property management company that was that's a plus PM company that we worked with in North Carolina. We hired a few of their key staff away and, and a, a mutually amicable relationship. I'm still good friends with the owner of that PM company. He was aware he was, said it was a happy, you know, like, like a happy departure and everything like that. Um, but those hires were able to help us build a PM company in-house that that enabled us to um, then go and, and uh, you know, build the inroads to start our own management company. The reason why we did it was mainly for control. It's obviously, it's not a loss leader. So something we're going to lose money on. Um, we'll make a little bit of cash flow on it, but the amount of effort we've put in <laughs> to the profit we're going to make on it is there's not it's it's there's a major disparity between the two um and that's because the main reason we're doing it is for control um yeah. is to control uh, investor upside control investor cash flow uh control asset quality asset condition i think that in the changing economy we're going into um being best in class of 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 the assets you have, whether that's you know C class workforce housing, that's what we have. I got most of our stuff's built in the seventies, built in the eighties, but that still right. doesn't mean I can't be best in class in that mark in that you know type of property in the markets that we're in, and that's what that's what we're going to be creating through our in house in house PM company. And, you know, we're going to create, you know, uh, establish the market for rents. We're going to establish the market for uh, tenant standards and things like that because we've got enough assets. Well, I got one property that we own. Um, there's like a half dozen uh, multifamilies that we own within like a couple of mile radius because we've been very focused on where we buy, that we only buy in certain regions of a city. And so right. we kind of control that one part of Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, and that enables us to really drill in and be a major player in, in that marketplace and, and that, which is really exciting. And that'll help back investor returns. It'll also helps us make sure that the CapEx, the construction improvements get done properly because that'll now get done in house by our in-house team. So that's great. No, um, it's really a quality, it's a quality issue. Uh, you've been around long enough to understand that there's, yeah. The, the, the mediocrity is actually a pretty good thing to expect in the property management world. You're not going to, you can't expect excellence. And that's just what we, what we want to have is an excellent PM experience. And yeah, it is. It's interesting in, in property yeah. management. My experience has been the last five years. You'll have a property manager is great. And then like, suddenly they're terrible, right? They just like, go like, <laughs> I think what happens and we saw this happen a year ago with one of our property managers where they're, they're great. And then, they, I think they just take on too many clients in a certain yep. region. They're spread thin staff wise. So they move people and it just, the quality suffers. And so then you quickly have to find, okay, we're going to replace them. And then of course, replacing a property manager, it's a lot of work because you got to yeah. get everything closed out and finished up. Who's coming We've in? To fire multiple. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot of work. Yeah. The reason why they, then let me give you like the, the reason that that is right. And that's because there is not an alignment of interest. Right. A PM company has different goals than an owner does. Right. They might be yeah. some overlap in that, like, yeah, well, the more rent you make, the more PM fee they get to get. And it is that those that are proud of their brands and proud of what they put out there on the market have a branding concern, just as you do, you know, meaning like they want to get perceived as a good PM company in a market. But they, the more assets they have under control, the more assets that they manage, the more PMP they get to make, the more money they make, um, the, the more they're able to, the more like liability they're able to defer over to the ownership, uh, the more money they make. And so it, it is not a direct alignment of interest. And so the, the, the more bottom line profit the asset makes, 
doesn't really put that much more money in their pocket, you know, um, yeah, or, or like the, the longer tenants stay, the better experience a tenant has does not increase their profit line by it may, it may incrementally, maybe there's some bonus structures in there a little bit, um, but it's not going to really move the needle from, from zero to 60, so to speak, as it would for an owner. Uh, yeah. If I've got tenants that are super happy paying their rent on time, that love where they live and are willing to tell their friends about how great where they live is and are willing to pay at or above market rent for where they live, that puts money in our pocket. That makes us profitable. And that yeah. is in line with our mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To real estate. That's our mission. Yeah. Um, that's PM company doesn't necessarily align with that. And that's why it's it's yeah, mediocrity is something you have to accept if you're going to hire a third party PM company. Yeah. Will you guys like take on other clients outside of your own? So will you build that property management above just your own stuff, or will it be Not just your today? Own stuff? But yeah. we, our next move will be to get ourselves licensed ever as a receiver. Okay. Uh, for properties that are in distress and stuff like that. So we want to take on receivership for assets like that so we can help bring them around. Maybe have your first right of refusal to buy them, maybe. Oh, that's nice, um, yeah. but, uh, but that'll be our, our next move. But then, I mean, I'm over here, bad mouth and PM companies. So if we were to go and roll something out to the market that somebody like, you know, like yourself could hire us, I would want to make sure that I create some sort of an alignment so that I don't become yet another statistic and become yet another mediocre PM company um, right. that, that, that you could hire. Uh, I want to become different. I want to be different. I want to be able to be excellent for our customers too. So probably not in the first iteration, but yeah. you never, you know how this goes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write it off and say no, never, but yeah. not, not day one. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. That's awesome. Well, I know um, you, you, you as uh, we have actually shifted a little bit from multifamily only, you know, 2000 multifamily units is kind of what we've done. And then we've shifted quite a bit to do ATM machines, car washes, oil mm -hmm. and gas, we have a VC deal we're doing. We've got a senior housing development we're looking at. Like we just, we're looking at different things outside of the traditional multifamily. Mm -hmm. And you guys have, have found something that has really worked for your investors. Can you just talk about what that is and kind of how it's structured? Yeah, that's the, that, that's our private, our, our fund. Um, because I find that it's a good investors really want a good place. They can park their money and make a great return on it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we created this fund that generates cash flow day one, uh, as ATM investments do as other things like that do. Right. Um, and so the, it's just an alternative to that. So we just take investor capital, put it onto the street into a hard money loan, um, that's generating, high single digit, low double digit, you know, cash on cash returns for investors. The second they get into it, um, they can compound the returns because I make a check from the borrower, right? We give the money to a borrower and they take their money and put it into some project that they're working on um, that, that passes our muster, passes our underwriting guidelines, which we have in place and everything like that. And that, and that uh, borrower writes us a monthly check well, we could just take that monthly check and put it back into the fund and buy more shares for our investors if they want us to, or they could take that distribution. So that's what's great about it is they can just buy more shares of the fund and I can take that take that money and lend it out again to somebody else. That yeah. literally the money that this borrower is paying me, I then legally take that <laughs> and then originate another loan with it. Think yeah. about that. That's that's yeah. a way to, to grow exponentially. Um, and that's just the, the power of compounding returns. So um, that's been exciting. Um, and uh, we also, and because a hard money loan typically only lasts between like three to six months, we're able to offer liquidity to our investors. When they want their money back, we can give it to them because yeah. the loans don't stay for years and years and years. These loans are kind of like a hot potato. When people get a hold of these things, they don't want to pay you 
low teen interest rates forever. They want the, they want to finish what they're doing, refinance it to lower debt and give you your money back. And yeah. so that's what's great about them as well is there's, there's an alignment with you and the borrower around time. You want to get your money back so you can originate another loan. They want to give you your money back so that they can get into cheaper debt. So this is a private, it's like a private lending for, for mm-hmm. real estate assets and other things. And yeah, well, I, I just, and you get to do cool stuff with this kind yeah. of thing. Right. So I got a, one yeah. of our borrowers owns a four unit and he good for him owns it free and clear. Okay. Um, he also is starting a beer brewery of all fun things, right? You know, good for him. Because of cost overruns and because of all the weirdness in the world, because, uh, you know, he built his budget for this much to finish his beer brewery, but cost overruns have driven his budget up more, right? So he had a cost overrun of $200,000. So what we did was we took his four unit multifamily that had an appraisal in in hand for 450,000. We gave him a $200,000 loan on that, on that multifamily. He took that 200 K and he's finishing his beer brewery with it. Yeah. Right. And then he's going to, you know, re recapitalize the beer brewery once it's open, pay us back and he'll be off to the races. You know, Um, I I love that kind of thing because what I'm doing is we're, we're taking real estate and we're helping contribute to the changing economy. I mean, this guy, that beer brewery, not like, and it's not me that's doing it. It's him, but we're just giving him the vehicle. He's going to provide jobs. He's going to provide economic contributions, all those things. I could you I mean the the biggest shame in the world would be if the beer brewery got 80% there and he wasn't able to get it across the finish line and he had to stop or bankrupt it or whatever. We're able to help him get across the goal line and get his brewery open so he can hire people and hopefully sell good beer. You know, yeah, and, and hopefully get you a free know. beer for life, right? You get yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you really did that. <laughs> that I should have put that in the loan agreement. You know, and, yeah. yeah, I know. Seriously, you got <laughs> to deliver beer to my doorstep every Tuesday. Or, yeah, that's it. Right. Funny. Um, so let's let's talk for a few minutes on um, kind of just other things that you're seeing out there that you know maybe I know you said you passively invest. I just I love mm-hmm. talking about stuff beyond the multifamily and beyond the stuff we're doing, but just personally, like what are some things that, you know, uh, that you and your wife are, are looking to yeah. passively that are just interesting to you these days? Sure. Well, I mean, just briefly, we got, I started this hard money fund because my wife and I were doing so many hard money loans that we were like, this is so interesting, so much fun we're having doing this. Um, we, we put a HELOC, a home equity line of credit on our house years ago. And we we were we started out doing hard money loans a couple of years ago by bridging that HELOC, which was you know, for goodness, back in the day, costing me three yeah. percent. you know, not anymore. <laughs> not um, anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Um, but it's still costing me what, like seven, eight percent, and I can still put it on the street at twelve. So uh, yeah. we bridge our HELOC into hard money plus a lot of our cash that we have. We bridge into hard money, um, but. We've also invested, I, I mean, I invest with operators that I like and trust, just as I'm sure you do too. I mean, just people that you want that, that I know uh, run a good operation. I invest with people. Uh, I care a little bit less what the cash on cash returns are going to be and everything like that. It's like, do I try it again? I've been around long enough, Bronson, to know that the, the best laid plans, you know, just gets yeah. completely blown over by a changing economy, right? So right. I invest with someone who I think can navigate that deal through a changing economy. So um, we've got some investments with other operators that, you know, I'm not going to name drop that you and I would both know personally, right? So um, I've invested there in other multifamily assets uh, just to diversify, just because I'm not, we're we're not in every market. I can't be. So I want to get exposed to other markets by investing with other operators that invest where I don't. That's number one. 
Um, we've also interestingly, Bronson, gotten into some uh, some flex industrial space investments mm -hmm. because I find that to be really interesting. Especially a deal like that is all about who that tenant is. Yeah. Because um, the tenant, the deal that we're in is triple net lease. You know, uh, meaning like just the tenant pays everything. They pay the real estate taxes. Yeah. They pay the insurance. Right. They pay all of it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's really about is that tenant going to be in business? in the next five years. You know? <laughs> um, so that's really the, the vetting that you got to do there. Uh, it matters a lot less specifically where the real estate is. It matters that the tenants able to run their business from that location, yeah. you know, so be that a, like a Chick-fil-A or a manufacturing plant doesn't matter as much as yeah. their sustainability. Um, we are also looking at, believe it, I mean, this is like, this is sound crazy. We're involved in two sites like this already is capital raisers. Um, and those are resorts. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't think that, but it's true. We're, we're involved in a couple of resort assets. Um, and we're looking at a third one with a different operator. That, that's with one operator. We're looking at another resort, like a boutique hotel with yeah. another operator. Because I think that uh, as things change in the economy, there, there's going to be continued need for niches and boutiques and things like that. And just folks that are able to catch a unique angle, which is exactly what this is, is, is a unique angle, a unique way that people may want to stay overnight and do like resort invest, resort staying and things like that. Not, so it's not a branded, not a name brand thing. Uh, this is like a, I think like a 50 key investment is what it would be. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at that and it's around the corner from where we live. That's another reason. Okay. We like it. That's great. So, yeah. It's nice when you have, access to things and you know it's funny the more you're in i mean you have a lot of your network through bigger pockets and all the things that you're doing and people that you know you and i know it's just amazing the stuff that you come across that's yeah. it's interesting right some of it's like oh that's really interesting like i might do well, that. that's like the I, tip you know? is that like yeah. guys good listeners i don't care if you're an lp or if you're a rising lp investor or a gp investor find a way to go to conferences right yeah. I, I mean i get to hang out with bronson regularly when i see him at places like best ever con or dealmaker live or whatever go to conferences and get to meet other operators whether you're a passive or inactive or not you never know the the cool stuff that other people are working on you know and this is how you meet people like that that are working on like hey i'm doing an atm deal you're, you're atms you can own atms yes sure can let me tell you about it let me you know like th this is how you end up expanding your network and either from a personal investing standpoint or from a brand alignment uh standpoint how you get to meet people that are doing stuff that you'd have to open up a whole new arm of your company to do if you did yourself, or you could do strategic partnerships either as a passive investor or as a bolt on, you know, let, let's help each other out, you know, mutually mutual benefit thing. So I yeah. love the idea going, that's where I get to meet a lot of these folks that I've taught, that I've mentioned, you know, these investments have come through yeah. going to conferences, just go, just yeah. networking, you know? It's a, that's really, I mean, it really is, is getting out there and meeting people. And especially even as a passive investor, that's how you increase your deal. Yeah. Flow. That's how you find out uh, actually a great relationship for people is meeting other passive investors because yeah. often, like you and I, you know, we have deals we're doing and so we want everybody to do our deals, which is great, but passive investors, they don't, I mean, they're just, they're not really as biased, right? They, they don't they don't have anything to sell. Right? They're just out there trying to right. help. Folks. And I think it's a really powerful uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. um, you've given a lot of great tips, man. A lot of great things that you've done, you know, even going to, uh, to conferences, what, what's, can you give, uh, you know, a piece of advice or a resource or something that's helped you that just can kind of maybe help folks that are, are in investing either, you know, especially, especially passive investors in real estate or other things. 
Yeah, you know, an organization that I'd, I'll, I'll throw a quick plug out to an organization that I, that I know you've done some that, that you're, you're friends with as I am, right? And that's um, just to plug them is uh, Left Field Investors yeah. um, in that. So if you're a passive and you want to meet other passives, you can read their forums. It's literally a couple hundred bucks to be a member. There's no, uh, Bronson and I as operators don't get a free toaster from them or anything like that. They, they, <laughs> but they, they'll gladly look at any opportunity that you want to put in front of them in front of their investor base, but they're really made to be like the consumer reports, the passive investing. And that's where you're going to hear about, they're not just a multifamily, of course, you're going to hear about, you know, the, the way, you know, which self-storage operator is, is the best out there, those kinds of things. And it's, again, it's not sponsored by a self-storage operator. These are real passive investors that are sharing ideas. So um, that's an organization that I've become friends with lately. Um, and I recommend that you guys just get into passive circles like that to get into conversations with people, just about what they're doing, what they're seeing. You don't have to do this thing all by yourself, uh, networking and getting, and getting your interests out there to others are the great, are a great way to get to just get help from people. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. I love the, love the, uh, the, I mean, thought is, it is so true. We, we get better because the people are around and, uh, really, you know, uh, left field investors. I mean, it really is, it's networking and education, right? That's mm -hmm. what we did our first conference in the fall and we're going to do it again next year. And it's just like, you get in the room and it's just something that, uh, it takes a lot of work to put that together, but when you actually get in the room, it's amazing what you can create and the deals, the partners, the, yeah. uh, the opportunities, all the stuff that just shows up for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt, well, I just, I so appreciate you want to honor just the way that you've just, you know, made yourself available to so many people and also with bigger pockets and all the stuff you're creating your YouTube channel, your book, raising private capital. Um, thanks for just, you know, being a great guy, man. You're just really great. Uh, you're guy. welcome. I appreciate it. And how can people get in touch with you and follow what you're doing? Thank and thank you for the validation. It's it's uh it, it it's I'm glad that it's showing through because really I just want to be transparent, um and uh, just help people to learn a better way to do with it, whatever it is they're trying to do. Uh, they can get a hold of us at derosagroup.com, D-E-R-O-S-A group.com. Derosagroup.com is a way to hear about everything from picking up, picking up a copy of my book um, to uh, we do have a student offering for those that are looking to be a rising GP, a general partner, and you want to build a multifamily, a class A multifamily apartment building, or even like a whatever you're looking to build multifamily, uh, we can help you get there uh, through our website. And we also, of course, have passive investment options, including the fund that I talked about today is all at derosagroup.com. Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. Really appreciate you. No, thank you. All right. So I love Matt Faircloth. Check out his stuff at uh, the DeRosa Group. Um, you can find him online. Uh, you know, again, one thing I really got from that is just really making sure that you are in a position where you're networking with other people. You know, a big goal we have is we want to create, you know, passive cash flow. We want to create cash flow for deals. We want to get into more deals. We want to learn. We want to do all these things, which is great. But a lot of times, it's really from the people that we meet, right? There's that quote, you're the same five years from now, except for the books you read and the people that you meet, right? It's a famous quote. And I think it's so true that just by the think about, look back on your life, jobs that you've had, people that you've met, maybe you met your spouse. It's all because you you met somebody, you went to somewhere and you, or you got introduced and all of a sudden you figured out a way to really, um, to, to grow by that. So. Uh, anyway, I hope you're you're doing that. You're taking those actions. And uh, thanks for taking the time to educate yourself on this episode of the Mailbox Money Show. We'll look forward to the next one. And uh, I'd love to hear your comments and feedback and anything that you want to add uh, or anybody you want me to interview, we can go after them and get them on the show. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, 
articles, and videos, go to BronsonEquity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune next time for more Mailbox Money.